Hello, and thanks for joining us on Coffee with Curators. I'm the curator at Riverview's Art Space, Brooke Marsday. And I'm Assistant Curator, Meg Weston. And if you haven't heard of us, Riverview's is a nonprofit arts organization in downtown Lynchburg, Virginia. We're dedicated to exhibiting contemporary art in our art galleries and making contemporary art accessible within our community. This podcast is just one way we hope to connect our audience with our artists, but that's enough about us. Today, we have one half of our currently exhibiting artist duo, Matthew Robertson. Elaine Chu couldn't join us today, but we can't recommend enough that you check out her website. Really fantastic artists, both of them. Matt, thank you so much for being with us today. Brooke prefaced this, but we're going to call it The Percolator. There's a series of icebreaker questions uh, to right. perk up the conversation. Okay. And after this, we can talk about art. Sounds good. So, my first coffee themed question for you okay. is What are some of your coffee habits? Like hot or cold, morning or all day? What's oh. your vibe for coffee? Let's see. So I drink, you know, a Herculean amount of coffee on a daily basis. Um, I've heard recently that it's not so bad for you. So, um, you know, I, yeah, my coffee intake is, you know, you know uh, large amounts in the morning and then periodically throughout the day. So. Oh, very good. Very good. Now, my problem was during graduate school, and now you're just out of graduate school. That's great. Um, uh, that is when I actually started drinking copious amounts of coffee. Did you notice your coffee intake increasing during graduate school? Gosh, I would say yes. Well, I think it started in undergrad is when I really started drinking a large amount of coffee and I just I'd never got off the roller coaster I've been on it ever since so I think the last time that I was caffeine free it was before I started undergrad and um you know it's I I I don't I I guess I'm a I, you know I'm um I'm okay with daily caffeine intake um I think that maybe at some point I could, you know, get off, uh, get off this ride, but I, I'm okay with it for the time being. Until it becomes a problem, I don't really think you need to worry about it. So, you know, keep, keep chugging. Right. Okay, Meg, what are you drinking? Uh, I have a thermos of store-bought Dunkin' Donuts coffee because I brew from home to save money <laughs> nice. but not a sponsor dunkin donuts coffee not a sponsor <laughs> in your star wars mug yes that brooke actually gave me for a birthday so, oh, nice. <laughs> so since you recently moved have you found a new coffee spot a new usual coffee spot no, you know, I haven't really been going out for coffee. Um, yeah, I do, as you do, do at home. Um, I think that the, although Denver, uh, in terms of the restrictions uh, compared to D.C. or Maryland, um, are pretty relaxed. So there are, you can go into coffee shops and uh, hang out in restaurants and, and, and bars and whatnot. Uh, oh. But um, there are, there is a good coffee shop out here called Pablo's uh, in Denver on uh, 6th. I lost uh, your audio. There you go. Sorry. Am I back on? Yes. Pablo's on 6th. Okay. Shout yeah. out. So they Pablo's on 6th. If you're ever in Denver, I would recommend it. Yeah, it's a good spot. Cool. Uh, okay, last question. Where is the most interesting place that you have had coffee ever? Oh, the most interesting place. Um, well, I was in Rangoon many years back, and I had I was drinking coffee there, and uh, they did they have a 
it's like a espresso with a little condensed milk. Mm-hmm. So you get a shot of espresso with a little condensed milk, and then you follow it with like gallons of green tea. Oh, so that's what people sit outside and, and have their shot of espresso with condensed milk and then follow it with lots of green tea. It was pretty lovely, I must say. And Rangoon uh, is a wild city. I would highly recommend visiting uh, Burma or you know Myanmar, whichever you prefer. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a truly surreal uh, environment. So. Oh, wow. How long were you there? You know, I was only there for about a week. I was in Southeast Asia for about a month, but we were in, in Rangoon for a week uh, back in 20, 2007. Um, so it was a little more restrictive uh, in terms of where you could go as a, as a outsider, essentially as a foreigner. Um, but it was, yeah, it's a, you know, remarkable, uh, place, uh, very interesting, very, you know, uh, troubled in terms of, um, you know, uh, you know, their economy is, is, uh, uh, you know, has been devastated, but there's, uh, culturally it's very rich, um, and interesting place. So if you're ever in Southeast Asia, uh, or in Thailand, you know, it's right next door. So, yeah. Okay. I, I, have, I have to ask an art question. Did that yes. influence your art? That's a good question. I think that there is, I mean, I think that I'm drawn to contrast uh, in general, uh, visually, conceptually. Um, I think that uh, contrasting elements can uh, make for potentially interesting uh, art objects or art ideas. And I think that, uh, you know, Rangoon and Burma uh, are, is, you know, filled with contrasting elements in terms of the, you know, the native population, the history of colonialism. You have just the geographic placement between, you know, its proximity to India and China and Thailand, Cambodia, and you have all of these different influences uh, meeting in this area and so it was a wild kind of you know uh, um, you know environment of juxtapositions uh, and kind of conflicting uh, visual elements you have the jungle kind of overtaking this colonial landscape of buildings that are in disarray and it was very intense so I would say I don't know if I could draw a direct I don't think that I've intentionally um, focused uh, any uh, creative works on on my experience there, but I think that perhaps subconsciously, uh, maybe it comes out. Oh yeah, I think so much of it, it you know, of just trying to figure out e- existence. <laughs> I think we store these store these experiences away, and I can't see how they wouldn't. Um, come out in our art as as we explore kind of our different themes sure Uh, yeah i think mm -hmm. especially if you're like a more of an intuitive artist um i don't versus someone that's very more perhaps more methodical and plotting uh analytical in their in their work uh Mm -hmm. perhaps your you know the subconscious just comes out um you know, it's more uh, kind of a component of that process. So you generally work intuitively? Is that kind of, what do you, how do you, what do you, how do you set up? How do you like, you're like, I'm going to do start something new. How does that happen with you? Right. Yeah. You know, that's a good question. I can't say, I, I, I mean, I would, you know, generally say, I think that my, I'm more of a, an intuitive artist uh, meaning, and when I say that, I think it's, I'm speaking to, um, you know, the, I guess, reliant, my own personal reliance on allowing ideas to just kind of happen organically, and that I just will get um, an, incl- an inclination to pursue, um, generally, it, it stems from a, a visual prompt. 
um, uh, you know, often, you know, in the last, I don't know, five, five years or so, it's been focused on um, kind of collaging kind of disparate visual elements together with some attention to narrative. I think narrative is something that I'm interested in just generally as an art appreciator, as someone that's interested in storytelling and literature and cinema. Um, narrative is a kind of a, uh, is, is something that I want to uh, work with. And so it, you know, my, my focus generally is directed towards um, how to create, I don't know, kind of puzzle boxes, visual kind of puzzle boxes uh, by stitching together disparate visual elements and subjects. Mm -hmm. And um, then I think that in the painting process, it, it definitely is, there's an intuitive component where I'll start with a general idea and then just kind of allow things to happen on the canvas or on the surface. Yeah, because it's it's interesting that you say that. I when I brought my students there, um, well, virtually <laughs> yesterday, one of their questions was, "Well, why does he break up some of his canvases? You know, why does he make three panels to create one panel? Why doesn't he just make one panel? You know, why right. why the divisions within the panels themselves? And they were also curious because you have such you know a a uh, uh, quick intuitive kind of brushstroke style but then you have these really intricate patterns interwoven in your work and so that they were you know those are two things that that they were curious about and that the panels are actually broken up into kind of different applications of paint so so they wanted right. to know why you do that oh sure you know, I think that the uh, those composite panel pieces, um, you know, it's, I created them in in, in graduate school. Um, I was interested in exploring how to composite um, different, not only stuff, I guess you know, ideas within one piece and to, to um, you know, definitively separate these visual elements um, into their own uh, individual, you know, uh, realms essentially, and then stack them together is one way to go about how to collage or montage um, you know, different ideas together uh, while still working um, essentially uh, within the route, within the kind of, uh, um, I guess, the landscape of traditional painting. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there's kind of a cinematic, perhaps, uh, I don't know, I, I kind of see them as like multi-channel video kind of installations in a way. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to continue working with in that format. I kind of like the um, um, let me see stitching together, you know, uh, different visual elements within one frame. Um, but I, I could potentially return to working with those composite pieces. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it really intrigued. Uh, you never know what, what students are going to pick up on or what interests them. And um, that was one thing that they were just fascinated. They were like, those are three pieces. Why are those? <laughs> Why couldn't they just be one? Um, right. and, and I kind of guessed in my answer and thank goodness I was pretty close to it. <laughs> I, I think he was probably, you know, so. Um, but another another question that they had was on the white, or excuse me, on the black um, sections, they wanted to know about the mark making that you put on those in the in the white chalk. Oh right, you know I think that there's. Well, I think that there are essentially there's the formal quality of the gestural mark making, uh, which is my interest in combining 
you know, a wide range of marks and applications to perhaps contrast the more orderly graphic um, patterns, right, uh, elsewhere. So you have that strong contrast. I also like there's a childlike quality to the mark making, I think, that I was aiming for to try to capture a sense of um, uh, potentially, you know, either like a primal or childlike um, essence. Um, yeah. So. Okay. They, and also, thank you, because I, when I teach, um, I, I'm always telling my students, I love process marks. I love to see the process. I love, and I was just like holding my, my camera up and I was like, see, these are process. These are, he has not covered up his process. He has let his process shine through and be, and be right. a part of the work. And I was, look, here you can see a pencil mark. Here you can see. And I was like, this is what I'm talking about when I'm like, don't, don't worry about process marks. So, right. um, yeah, so so we thoroughly enjoyed that that you left a lot of the process in your work. <laughs> I think there's yeah, I, I personally really um, gravitate towards and appreciate to see the hand of the artist in the work, yeah. um, and uh, to see as you say the evidence of the process. It also communicates a sense of time. There's like a um, you know temporal quality when you see layers and marks, and it communicates that process and time and so yeah I definitely uh, you know I like to see that as well um, yeah and, I mean because because so much you can do so much on a computer these days and we've seen so much right. that it's computer generated I want to see the hand right right yeah for sure so. mm -hmm. yeah I'm sorry Meg I get I got I got so excited because my students were so excited Matt they loved your work and they they peppered me with all these questions so I was like don't worry I will ask him tomorrow uh, that's very, uh, <laughs> what what sort of class what uh, class uh, or classes are you teaching uh, this semester drawing so okay it was, it was my drawing class that was oh, great uh, in there um, is it an observational drawing I kind of yeah. introduction it's, it's topic. Gener yeah, and, and it's mostly observational work. Yeah, mm -hmm. that we're doing. Okay, one last. I can't resist. Sorry, Meg. I'm being. <laughs> I love that you apologize to me. Like I'm we we do this so that we can just chat with him. Like, know, there's no but, like schedule. You, you know, I get too excited. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, one last question from my students. Um, how do you choose your color palette? Because they were very um, much impressed by by the colors that you use, and um, and and oh, thank they, you. they loved your work in general. But they were like, "Oh, the colors—they're so." How did you do that? Why did you use those colors? And I'm like, "Well, you know what? I'll ask him." <laughs> yeah, you know, I love yeah, I love working with color. I I can't say that. I mean, again, it is kind of an intuitive process, meaning that. I've, they evolve on the surface, and so often that my uh, my colors, you know, a layer. Uh, so my initial applications of paint are much more chromatic, saturated, and then I will, um, you know, kind of subdue them uh, by tinting and shading, and uh, until I get to a place that just feels right. And so um, it is, you know, it's intuitive in that way. Um, I was, yeah, in graduate school, I was really pushed to be more, to work with more uh, chromatic or saturated colors um, because they felt that my, you know, palette was, um, uh, I was relying too much on white and, uh, but I, I don't know, I just kind of, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate the, uh, um, the subdued and controlled palette, you know, you can, it's, you know, color relationships, um, you know, a color that say on a, that, you know, is um, of like mid saturation can appear very uh, intense when a position next to a color that's, that's really desaturated. And so I think that that's fun to, I, I like playing, uh, playing oh, around yeah. with color. Yeah, so, so again, you're talking contrast. Right, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and the contrast to make to actually bring out the best in in the color, you know, it, it's it's 
it's that search for contrast, which actually creates more of an impact as a whole. Right. You know, right. that's that simultaneous contrast that, uh, yeah. that, that occurs when you're, when you're dealing with, with colors. So, wow. Yes. I love how you keep coming back to the idea of, of contrast. Um, yes. Are, are you teaching right now? You know, yeah, fortunately I was, uh, uh, um, you know, really, uh, happy to be teaching at uh, a local arts school here, the Rocky Mountain College of Art and Design. And uh, I've been teaching uh, right now, currently a couple of life drawing courses. Okay. And then next uh, term I'll be teaching you know, life drawing as well as an observational drawing class. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, um, yeah, it's, a, it's a great school. It's a, it's a lovely school, uh, amazing artists and I'm really happy to be here um, oh very cool. that's so good yeah. to hear yeah, so yeah how, really how is life drawing being taught in the middle of a pandemic that's a good question yeah you know the school unfortunately you know we are we are teaching uh, um, online it's a blended format but essentially it's uh, it's a synchronous online format. So we have meetings, scheduled meetings twice a week where we log on via Zoom. Uh, the, the, uh, the school has created a really strong uh, online uh, learning system. So they have uh, an abundance of you know, recordings of uh, you know, nude models uh, okay. in video, right? So they're watching like a 45 minute pose of the model um, and it's of a video recording. Uh, so they have like a very strong uh, um, collection of educational material, uh, which that I can harvest from and, uh, you know, do the best to give the students um, you know, as close to a studio learning environment as possible within, you know, the, the reality that they're working from a screen. And ideally, you know, there is a difference. There is a, there's a big difference from, you know, looking at an object in front of you and, you know, adapting, translating that information from 3D to 2D on your surface. And uh, so, you know, it's not ideal for the students. But um, you know, it's they, you know, they're able to, I think, fundamentally develop the skills that they need in terms of observation and specifically controlling the media, um, working with formal qualities of uh, composition, application, design, value. Um, so, uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of what we're doing. We're working. They're working from screens. Yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. okay. I'm, I'm lucky because I get my students one day a week. Oh, nice. Yeah, we're, we're face to face one day a week. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah, and, and that kind of, that, that at least gives you the opportunity to, to get in there and, and, and be with them while they're honestly doing, making, creating, and I can be part of the process. Um, Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, but I know I'm. We're we're rare. I know most people are online. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, hopefully, yeah, this will be. You know, it's just a temporary situation, and uh, we'll be back in the studios before too long. Hopefully. Absolutely. Now, did you and Elaine know each other since the connection of the University of Maryland is there and you're both? That's where grad? we met. Okay. Uh, we met in, in the graduate program at UMD. Mm -hmm. And so she's uh, friends with uh, Jeremy Kunkel. Yep. Uh, uh, and so Jeremy introduced us. So That's great. Uh, yeah, yeah, Elaine's amazing. She's a really just a lovely person. And she's an amazing painter, and I uh, was, uh, yeah, it's a real, you know, it's on, a, it's an honor to be her friend, and then uh, to be able to exhibit with her, 
Um, I think that, uh, yeah, I'm just a huge fan of hers. Uh, you know, just as a, per as a human being, she's a lovely and amazing person. And then as an artist, I think that she's like uh, really formidable and she has uh, a lot to say, so. Wow. Yes, we've had a lot of good feedback on both of your pieces for just the differences in both of them and just how they complement each other, even though they are so formally different. But it's been really cool to, to see both of you without actually, I've worked with you all for so long, but I've never actually met you all. So it's always so fun to see the connections that like, you two knew each other and this happened that we picked you all to show right. together. And you have a connection with Jeremy who has shown here previously. Right. I don't remember what year, but it just makes like this big art world a little smaller. Oh, and yeah. a, little, a little homier maybe. Mm -hmm. yep. and, 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 you know, Jeremy pulled me over one day and he was like, you got to see this work. And, uh, and he brought up Matt's work and then he brought up Elaine's work. And I said, well, we got to have them. So yeah. amazing how much of this Jeremy is instigated. I know. I know. Jeremy, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a great guy. I mean, talk about another, uh, you know, amazing human. Uh, Jeremy's really a, uh, He's a wonderful person and a uh, great artist and really uh, just, you know, uh, you know, brilliant and amazingly like mechanically uh, inclined in terms of his ability to fabricate. Um, he's just, uh, yeah, he's a great guy. Oh, no, he, he's amazing. And this, this really emphasizes, I remember way back um, at, in my first art school, um, the, the, somebody stood up and I think it was the head of the program and said, okay, everybody look at the person next to you and look at the person, um, two seats down. These are the people who are going to help you with your career. These, the, right. these people surrounding you are your resources. And I think the more that, you know, we're kind of, uh, wading through the art world, I think the more apparent that has become, um, it's, it's, it's the people that you went to school with. It's the, you know, it's the people that you meet along the way who I think really propel you. Have you found that as well? Um, yeah, absolutely. Most certainly. I think that all of, uh, you know, many opportunities uh, were born from, um, you know, relationships and connections. And um, so, yeah, it is, there's a, there is a strong social component to, I think, um, you know, the, the art path, the, you know, uh, the path of the artist, um, mm -hmm. that you can, you know, you have to get out of the studio and <laughs> interact with people. You know, right. you, you absolutely do. Um, you know, especially painters, we spend a lot of time. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's always important to kind of reiterate the importance of get out there and, you know, meet people. <laughs> For sure, yeah, and yeah. and just managerial uh, work, applying to shows, researching. You know, that's uh, that's. I mean, I'm always. You know, I need to do a lot more than that. More of that. My, you know, we want to spend our times in the studio making all the time. You know, that's like a priority. But the reality is, is that you know. You should be spending, you know, 25% of your time at least, I think, doing managerial footwork mm -hmm. uh, to get your work seen. Yeah. So. Uh, I hope students are li listen to this because I think in some ways that's the best advice you can give to somebody is, yes, it's about the work, but it's also about getting out there. It's about self-promotion. It's about right. Uh, meeting people it's about showing up to galleries and 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 sometimes people don't kind of understand that aspect you know for sure yeah when you're a younger artist you 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 just think well you make the work and and that's it and it it just happens and it's like no it's a lot of work outside of making the work right yeah indeed indeed mm -hmm. but it's all good <laughs> you know it's all good so yeah it always sounds a little uh, daunting, but it's all good. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. So, uh, Ed, so Meg, you got the... Uh... Well, I mostly wanted to fangirl about Matt's Labyrinth series. 
because I was such a really big fan when he showed me the pictures for the first time. Oh, right. uh, and I know we, we couldn't take the, the bulk of it, um, the curtains that have the multiple layers, but man, that was just such a really cool piece and it really, it really hit me. So I uh, oh, hope okay. to see it in person maybe one day, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'd like to exhibit that work. Um, my that's my intention for sure so um yeah I'll, I'll definitely let you know please and then since you were talking about narrative and cinematography in your work and it, it, when you were talking about that i was just thinking about what it would be like to walk among those those objects that you painted on the curtains and then see them moving and interacting and it would have been it's going to be cool to, to see them maybe one day Right. Yeah. I was excited. I think that was my first real attempt to step off, to get off the wall and create more of a, you know, um, interactive um, uh, experience. And so uh, in terms of installation, um, it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And, you, and, and the neat thing is that you, you can change the narrative with that every time it's shown. Right. Right. Just, yeah. Yeah, depending on how, what imagery and um, you want to represent to the viewer and in what order you want to put that in. To, right, uh, right. Have you been working on anything else since moving? Or are you just kind of focusing on teaching and Oh, balancing? sure. Right, right. Yeah, that balance. Uh, <laughs> let's see. The, um, I am, yeah, I'm very much excited about uh, being you know, finish with the academic uh, pursuit of a master's program, uh, MFA. So the freedom that I have uh, to make what I want to make um, is, is, is really nice. I think that, um, yeah, I'm starting kind of a new series of, of paintings. I'm, uh, I have, I'm taking part in a, um, a group show in January where I'll be able to submit uh, a number of pieces and um, I did some work with animation in graduate school and I'm going to continue to explore that um, with these new paintings and so I'd like to do um, you know kind of a, a multidisciplinary um, uh, project incorporating you know still static imagery with this animation um, that's you know essentially they're uh, um, you know, animation created via uh, oil painting on paper cool. so that's another thing that uh, you know working with the time-based media is so exciting for painters because you have that element of time and motion and sound um, which you don't really get uh, working with uh, traditional, you know, painting. So uh, I'm definitely excited for that. That is oh, such boy. a cool idea to doing animation with paint. Have you seen that that Vincent Van Gogh movie? That was I've basically seen parts of it. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it yeah. It's pretty. It's it's amazing. I think that that uh, that sort of uh, imagery um, you can really, I think, only get uh, working with traditional media. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. I think also there's a meditative quality when working in that way um, because there is a, um, you know, there's repetition. Um, then there's the, you know, you're really relying on or, uh, let me see, making use of just the, the, the kind of random accidents that happen, the random variation between each individual painted image um, that will just naturally occur when working with that, those, with that media. And so even though you're painting an object, uh, you're doing your best to paint an object the same way multiple times, there's gonna be an inherent variation in your marks and when you animate that, that, that variation just creates a lot of energy and motion and gives it a lot of character. And that I think that that uh, I really uh, appreciate 
um, that uh, the end result of working with uh, you know paints and then animating it. Excellent. Uh, what artists do you look towards for inspiration? Oh, it varies really. You know, I think that as an artist, my interests have evolved uh, over the years, and they continue to evolve. I think that's just the natural, prog you know, the natural experience of of, of artists. Um, is that your, you know, your interests will change, your tastes will change, your aesthetics will evolve. And so uh, right now I've actually been focusing a lot on Bruegel. Um, you know, he's such a, uh, his paintings are so wild and I think really funny. Yeah. And so he's like, uh, uh, I've been fixating on Bruegel. And so Bruegel is a lot, my current work is, is really, I'm using him as a jumping off point, essentially. Um, well, he's perfect, because he's all about narrative. Yeah. Right, yeah, for sure. Yeah, his narratives, and then there's like a real kind of, you know, his kaleidoscopic kind of mass of people. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I'm looking a lot at the, the triumph of death which is kind of a dark piece but it's also really funny like there's some there are moments in it that I like he's I think he's a very humorous artist uh oh. he leaves these little like easter egg jokes in his pieces and so uh yeah so yeah Bruegel and then but you know incorporating more contemporary um you know uh ideas and subjects mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to see this work. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm like, right. I can't wait. Uh, yeah, he's, um, yeah, so yeah, that's the, he's, yeah, he's the one artist I've kind of been fixating on lately. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, that's a, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> Absolutely. And do you, and you know, I always like to see a little bit of humor in interwoven and it doesn't have to be overt but you know I actually had a student once say to me well you can't art can't be funny right I was like what do you mean art can't be funny it's like no art can't be funny you can't put in something funny you know it has to be serious and I'm like oh my gosh. but I love funny <laughs> right right yeah there's so much humor I know, I'm like, funny, funny engages people. Funny brings people in if you want, you know. F funny is a great, a great way to catch somebody's attention and, and Absolutely. Have, you know, have them stay a little longer. But, um, but I thought that was very interesting when I was, I was instructed that, no, art can't be funny. <laughs> you have to have some levity, you know, there has to be humor. Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, I think so. I yeah, yeah, and I I can see that in I can see that that playfulness in the paintings that are at Riverviews right now. I mean, it's a pretty serious topic. You're talking about mem memory. You're talking about kind of the idea of fractured memory of childhood memory, and um, but there's still this playfulness, whether it's with color or brushstroke, that I think that that's still kind of. Um, underlies underlies your work oh thank you yeah i think that the process um yeah it should be fun i mean i think that i mean not all the time it's making art can be very difficult and painful but also uh you know it's, it should be enjoyable you know i think that why else you know, what else are we doing you know it should be whatever it is whatever pursuit you know you're involved with uh, or engaged with, it should be enjoyable or fulfilling. Um, and uh, you know, it needs to be to, so that you stay engaged. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, we as the artists need to stay interested and engaged with what we're doing. Um, we just don't, sure. I mean, we just don't want it to become kind of paint by numbers. <laughs> right. Not, not that you know. I, I love paint by numbers. I'm, I'm actually a bit obsessed with paint by numbers. But I guess we just don't want it to become systematic, kind of. Right, right. Yeah, I have. There's. Uh, I really aspire to kind of a. You know, children, young children are naturally um, creative, 
And if you watch, if you work with, you know, young children, they just, they just immediately start making, drawing or painting. And there's an uninhibited uh, fearlessness in their art making process that is just natural. And I think that that's something that I aspire to. Um, just uh, uninhibited, just, free, you know, freedom, really. It's uh, pure freedom. And uh, there's, uh, that's, you know, it's, I think it's hard to have that. Um, well, actually, I speak for myself. Uh, you know, fear kind of, you know, you know fear was uh, kind of fueled me during undergrad and, and grad school to a degree. Um, you know, it's a good motivator, um, you know, wanting the fear of failure, you know, wanting to succeed and make good work. But then, you know, after a while, I, it became just a kind of inherent, like a, it was a, a component of my art making process where anxiety and fear was just always there to some degree. And so I've been working to um, eradicate that um, and really find uh uh, you know, joyfulness in the process of making and, uh, you know, uh, freedom. And so even though, you know, it is good to have, you know, fear can be a good motivator or anxiety or, you know, desire to make something, you know, strong or do your best to uh, uh, make good art. But I think that having just the the freedom and the detachment from result, you know, like yeah. not, oh. not not identifying with the work, you know, like, you know, make it if, it, if it works, great. If it doesn't, you know, onto the next, or what can, you, what can you learn from, you know, a failure can actually become a success if, it, if you're able to identify what's not working, if it moves you towards making something that you, uh, you know, uh, want to make. If it moves you towards success, then that failure is actually, you know, a win. And so being able to kind of, you know, adjust my perception on how I think about my work and how I relate to the work has been taking me a long time. But uh, I think that's kind of what I aspire to, that kind of childlike uh, abandon and freedom uh, in the art making process. And I've seen it in other artists. Uh, I had a professor in grad school who's like that very much like that. childlike his work is very strong and he's serious he's a serious you know serious artist but mm -hmm. uh in his art making process it was you know he didn't uh it wasn't such a heavy and you know intense you know and kind of anxiety ridden experience mm -hmm. it was like having fun you know mm -hmm. we're in the studio we should be having fun you know painting yeah. things making things and so that's kind of what I aspire to in my, in my uh, practice now. Well, well, it sounds like such a healthier relationship. I mean, you know, we're all in this for the long term and we, right. we certainly want a healthy, you know, a healthy relationship with, with our art. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, we don't um, want our art making to be toxic and, and take a real toll on on, on us we need to be able to keep producing and i know i remember i remember grad school well yeah <laughs> and it was it was a lot of fear it was a lot of anxiety right. um, yeah right. well as a younger artist who is currently in that motion I, it's nice to hear that we can move past it at some point so oh, for sure. i will take what you've said to heart for real, because it is a struggle, especially during COVID, to kind right. of create when we feel such anxiety, even without mm. realizing. So right. just kind of toss it out the window and, you know, reckless abandon, like you said, just right. start creating. Yeah, you know, it is. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know, um, it is, I think, as Brooke was saying, it's a, it's a, it's a marathon and it's a sprint. And so, you know, for the, if you're in it for the long haul, like decades, then it's imperative, really. It's, I think it's a priority. It's the most important thing is to be able to cultivate a healthy work, um, you know, not a healthy work ethic, but also a healthy uh, way to identify, you know, a healthy um, uh, identity with your work. 
And so I think that would is a, a truly benefit, I think, an artist in the long run is being able to have that healthy relationship with yourself and how you view your work and how you view the world. Um, it's really imperative because you can burn, burn out and uh, you can't, you know, you can only go so long uh, with a, I think, uh, an unhealthy uh, practice, uh, making practice in terms of your, uh, I guess, psychology. Yes, I think, I don't know if it's for you, but, but I reached year three and the end of year, year three, and that was about, I was done. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was ready to find a different relationship with art right. making. Right, right. Yeah, the academic, I mean, studio, academic studio programs are, can be very intense and um, I think there are benefits to some and, you know, there are drawbacks and they're also different too. I mean, I went to, you know, two schools and I only really know about those two schools, uh, cultures and, you know, environments. And so, and, but I do know speaking, you know, just based on my conversations with uh, people around other schools, they, they vary so much. Oh. I've heard, you know, I, I loved every minute of grad school. And interestingly enough, what I found out when Elaine came to uh, install her, her big paintings, we have the same mentor. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. My mentor at graduate school as the head of the painting department was her mentor in undergrad. We had the same person, you know, having a huge influence on our artwork, our, our right. painting. I was like, I instantly got on and like texted her and I was like, you'll never believe who I'm standing next to. And, and I took pictures of us and she, she was thrilled that, that we were together and, and thrilled that she'd had such an influence on us. But um, it was fascinating to find out that we had the same major painting influence in our lives. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's great. Mm -hmm. I, I, I was yeah, I think that there is, I mean, there's, I think teaching, uh, I mean, I'm an uh, educator. I have great respect for, for educators, um, you know, from, you know, preschool up through, um, you, know, uh, you know, higher education. Uh, um, but I think there's, a, there's such a strong lineage and history of uh, art education. And um, I think it's important. I've had the benefit of having like excellent uh, instructors in the past who played a, a huge, I think, uh, role in inspiring me um, to pursue art. And I think that there is, I mean, I feel honored to be able to uh, pursue art education myself because um, I think that it's, uh, it's, uh, it's important. I think that once you acquire a certain amount of uh, skill or knowledge, to pass it on to um, you know uh, the, the, the new younger artists. Um, so I, I absolutely agree with you. I think it's it's you know I, th I find it's amazingly rewarding. But in in I learned so much from the students. They never realize how much I learned from them. <laughs> it's it's a it's a very mutual. I'm I'm giving them my my viewpoints. But you know what? They're giving me their viewpoints right back, which makes my world much bigger. For sure, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's another. That's one of the. Uh, I think uh, what's the draws for me to be involved. Hey, I, school is cool. I love school. I love you know being around people who are learning and being part of the process and always continuing to learn. And absolutely, students. You know. Uh, you know learn a lot from students and their what they bring to the studio um it's inspiring and so oh i know they they inspire me every day and and they keep me up to date on like pop culture like they like what are they watching what what are they you know i gotta know like the latest anime and the latest which things right. that i might not know about if my students didn't spend time with me and introduce me to so much new imagery that I don't think I would discover if it was, you know, just, just on my own, so. Right, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, they keep me up on what's 
what's going on, you know, for the 19, 20, 21 year olds, like what, what's interesting to them would not have necessarily been interesting to me. And even back when I was that age, but I seem to find it fascinating now. <laughs> right, right. So are there, what are some like artists or I don't know, shows or books that you two are, are particularly enjoying at the moment? Uh, I was on a really big she lay kick, actually. I made like a whole Pinterest board of just <laughs> she lay drawings uh, because I, I'm, I really am working on line work right now. I'm a novice printmaker, so. Right. I really need to focus on how to get the line to do what I want it to do and convey what I want it to convey. And he's just right. so good with that. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, but like for like media consumption, I only like watch like cooking YouTube because it's all I can really process at the moment. So like right. binging with Babish is constantly on and uh, there's a, Rhett and Link has like a spin-off YouTube channel where it's just cooking in the kitchen and they make really like junk foody things. Oh really? Oh nice. Cooking is also like a form of art. So I I would count that. So Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Chile as well. Yeah, I think you nailed it. His line work is, is, is so uh, good. It's yeah, so lyrical mm -hmm. and uh, economic and um, I like I'm a big fan of his uh, actually his uh, uh, architectural drawings, his yeah. drawings of houses and mm. cityscapes and his landscapes are also really, really, really nice. Mm -hmm. yeah. What about you, Brooke? What have you I'm, been consuming? I'm, I'm, like, I'm like trying to think. Um, I've honestly been um, kind of following the hopper. Um, <laughs> The, the the hop latest hopper story and and the controversy that that's, that's been going on. Well, he um well I'm I'm actually a little fascinated with with it. Um, he had always promoted the fact that he was the original kind of American painter, uh, um, and especially his early work was done in his uh, local hometown and and was sort of intrinsically created with an inherent talent and um and what a, a, a local and art, what an art historian has figured out i think he's he's just somebody who's researching his PR, phd was that he actually copied work from other artists but then kind of promoted it that but never admitted that these were actually copies so the majority of his early work are copies really wow yes and so they aren't um you know he's like this is this is a scene from nyack where i grew up and no it's not it's a copy of another artist from a book that actually goes step by step on how to paint oh my gosh uh, yeah it's one of those books that says this is how you paint a landscape and this is your first layer and your second layer and and sure enough direct a direct copy um, from a how to paint book. Wow. Um, so, you know, that that's kind of, I, I think that's fascinating. It's, it's this idea that he created this persona to sell himself as an authentic right. America. And it was between the two wars, between World War One and World War Two, when everything was very right. American and, and and so he created this persona um, that people bought into and loved, but it was not necessarily, he created wow. his own narrative. He's kind of a like, Machiavellian. I mean, you can say, it, you can kind of appreciate it for being just like a, you know, cutthroat self-promoter, you know, yes. create your own mythology. Yes. You know, but there is kind of, a, it, it flies in the face of what, you know, Hopper, the myth of Hopper as being this great American, you know, almost like a, it's almost photo, he's like a journalist, you know, he's like, a, he's documenting um, this, uh, you know, American experience. Um, but mm -hmm. then to find out that he was just uh, this like kind of ruthless self-promoter. 
he was just a self-promoter. I mean, his art definitely, you know, he stopped copying it, you know. Right. He, of course, went on to making his own original works. He also doesn't talk much that he went to art school and was quite, was trained. Right, okay. He kind of avoids that topic, too. That Right. He kind of wanted people to think this was all intrinsic talent and um, right. out and painted America. And it's like, okay, but here's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> First wow. to copied. <laughs> What's well, like, uh, or like Francis Bacon, didn't he destroy all of his early paintings? Mm -hmm. burnt everything? And then oh. all of a sudden, yep. with, he was like this like fully kind of resolved, very clear, you know, kind of visual language. But mm -hmm. he like went out in his backyard and burned all of his early works. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Baldessari did that too, I think. I think it's that just really another step. Like right. once you get to a point, you're just like, start over. Right, Forget right. It. Oh, well, that's what Hoff, Hans Hoffman taught. He said, you must destroy to create. And he used to make his students halfway through the semester go outside and uh, destroy all their work. Yeah. Well, I think there's a, there's a good lesson in that. I mean, I think it goes back to, you know, not being, you know, so precious about your work and identifying with your work, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, and being able to, you know, free yourself from from, from uh, yeah. what it is yeah. you make. Being able to like that. So that's what I've I've been fascinated with Hopper lately, and fascinated yeah. with uh, the 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 truths that are coming out. But then again, as you said, there's something about his ability to have done that that I'm like so impressed. I'm right. like, oh, God. how did he? You know. And I think there are a lot of contemporary artists that have actually done exactly the same thing. Jeff Koons um, created yeah. created a persona um, to 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 kind of go along with the art. It's it's right. Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's a legitimate strategy. I mean, thanks yeah. is all persona. So like, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm willing to give it a go. I mean, <laughs> okay. I'm looking forward to this persona. I am, I'm ready to, you know, create my own narrative. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially yeah, in, the, in this day of, uh, you know, uh, our technological ability to access so many people so quickly with just our phones, you know, I think that it could be uh, even more viable. I think, uh, um, you know, a way to get known. Oh, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of about, you know, sensationalizing. Um, people love, love a good story and, to, you know, to engage, we have to find really creative ways to do it. So it's our new performance piece to create ourselves. Right, right. right. Indeed. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we've kept you a long time, Matt. Yeah. Again, I really appreciate a, the, you know, being invited to, to exhibit the you know, wonderful space. And um, it's been just, you know, really lovely getting to know you both. And uh, having this conversation has been a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being on with us. Thank you for, for bringing your work down. I know you didn't have a long time. You, you're just like, I got to move to Colorado. And, and, but you made sure that we got your work. And, yeah, and right. Yeah, have I definitely want to come back and visit. Uh, seems like a cool, cool town. Uh, really uh, a lot of character. And yeah. uh, I'll, I'll have to come back. I'll have to stop by sometime and, and pay you a visit. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Just give yeah. us a heads up. We'll be happy yeah. to meet you. No, yeah. we'll, we'll hold you to it. We'll be like, so when, Matt, when you come in. <laughs> right. No, I'll definitely, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'll definitely make my way to this Oh, excellent. Well, good luck um, with your new endeavor in Colorado. Um, en enjoy every, every minute. And please keep in touch with us. And please send us imagery, what you're doing, where you're showing. Um, yeah. We want to we see all that stuff and know all that stuff. So please. Uh, stay in touch with us. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wonderful. Mm -hmm.
Enjoy, enjoy the rest of your afternoon, and uh, we'll uh, we'll stay in touch and hope to see you see you soon. Oh, yeah. great! Thank you again. All right. Take care. Bye, Matt. Thanks, Bye. Matt. Thank you again to Matt for joining us on today's podcast. We wish him all the best out in Colorado. And you can find the full exhibition catalog on our website, riverviews.net, along with Matt's and Elaine's individual websites. Uh, and we thank you for listening to Coffee with Curators. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, we've been doing these podcasts every other month, so you can expect the next podcast in December. Take care until then. <laughs>